Welcome back, Fungal Banner fans, to another episode of your Pacific Northwest Fungal Banner podcast. I am Eric Sorensen. Jason and Kelly about to come on here in a minute with us, and we're fired up for another great episode highlighting coaches in the Pacific Northwest with Kurt Lupinski, head coach at Lower Columbia Community College. Going to break this up into two parts, and they're just awesome. They're great parts. Thank you to last week to Max Price. Hopefully you guys can listen to that one. If you haven't shared it yet, please share. Get on. Yeah, please share this one. We were all over social media posting about this stuff. You could just press that retweet button. We sure appreciate that. So, well, hopefully uh, we're recording this thing on the 25th of January. I can't wait. We're going to be seeing you guys in a couple of weeks here in Moses Lake, Washington, at the sixth facility for the Washington State Coaches Association Clinic. Can't wait to go meet people and greet. You know, we have a build this network that we have brewing here in the Pacific Northwest and keep things growing. So we're excited about that. Thanks to safeguard. If you're going to be there, there's going to be some door prizes for some fungal banner gear, fungal banner gear given away made by safeguard. Please go to our website. We have a shop online there. There's a message board. If you have any questions about this episode, get on there and let's start some discussions and, and see what we got going. And maybe we can just keep this conversation going for a long, long time. So, well, without further ado, let's go ahead and bring on Kurt. Okay, Fungo Banner fans, we're real fired up to be back with another guest this week. Kirk Lipinski, head coach, Lower Columbia Community College. Thank you for taking time to come on the Fungo Banner and join the Fungo Banner family. Absolutely. No, thank you for having me and excited to be here and, and chat with you guys for a little bit tonight. Absolutely. We're fired up to have you on. And right away, the hard-hitting question, what's your favorite fungo? Definitely an easy one for me. I've been three fungos in a row on Devo, DeVore Bats. Yeah. So local-ish company, really enjoy it. 36, 36 and a half, really enjoy them. So it's, uh, it's an easy call for me right now. But have had many and uh, kind of enjoy them all, really, in their own way. So. Absolutely. I think we also have a, a Devo sitting in our arsenal right now, so we can all agree with that one is good. But, you know, the, the one thing we really enjoy, you know, everybody is where they came from, right? So the path that we've all taken in baseball. And, and talk us through your path, you know, really where you've been uh, to where to get you to where you are in the, the head coach's job there at Lower Columbia. And, and then also just like the lessons that you've learned along the way throughout your time growing through baseball. Really, really eclectic journey. I think I've taken, you know, definitely a journeyman's role through coaching, not the probably traditional route a lot of people go. But um, I would say really one of the biggest lessons or even blessings of, of the journey, been around some good people, um, just kind of wanted to be a learner, be a sponge, really, really blessed to have a lot of good coaches at, at the opportunities that I've had. Um, grew up Klamath Falls, Oregon, small town. Uh, didn't know it at the time, but youth coach, cup of coffee, big leaguer, Harry Mock, who just set a really even keeled, good fundamental base. Um, played for some tough high school coaches, Joe Tacchini, Pete Whistler, kind of some legendary old school coaches um, down there. Really, really enjoyed the game of baseball. Was just an okay player, not a great player, to be honest. Average high school player, had some feel, had some IQ. Um, really coming out of high school was just going to be a student at Oregon State, not really going to pursue a, a, a big life in the game of baseball. 
And through kind of my high school coach, Joe Tacchini, actually got linked up with Marty Lees, who had coached years past Legion Ball, and, and kind of said, hey, man, I we need undergraduate staff. You know, we need managers. Like, we need some kids that want to get into coaching. What do you got? Like, you know anybody? And thankfully, Joe Tacchini, Oma lot, said, I got the guy for you, man. And guess what? He's already going to be a beaver. He's headed there. So really lucky break to be honest in, in that way. Um, but that's really kind of how I got my start was a student manager, Oregon state, not a good player, kind of joke, played my way into coaching in a lot of ways. Um, but just really, really learned from Pat Bailey, Pat Casey, Marty Lee's Nate Yeski, just way, way better coaches. Of course, I wasn't even a real coach at that time, but just learned so much of, how to prepare, what is discipline, what should you be coaching. Um, so, yeah, very biased towards the Beavers in a lot of ways, but uh, definitely as I've evolved you know, and moved on from the Beavers, uh, really appreciate how those high-level Division One staffs have to manage different expectations and personalities, and, and it's definitely a, an intense level to coach at. When I uh, left Oregon State, I went to Chapman University. It was my first grad assist. Had a, had a really good time down there. I wanted to do something different. Wanted to get, you know, in the sun, get out of the rain, you know, try a little bit. Tom Terezchuk was the head coach down there. This is also when I grew up and learned there's a business side of coaching out there. So actually when I'm down there, um, just situation where a coaching change happened, they ended up moving on from Coach T actually during the year. So I'm young, green grad assist down here. Just, okay, whoa. This is, this is a lot to take in. Um, after that season, end up getting an opportunity back at Oregon Tech, kind of get back on your feet, like, holy cow, get a, get a chance to coach again. Uh, did a, what I thought was a good job with infielders and recruiting down there with uh, Matt Miles at the time, head coach, and ran into Nate Pratt and Dimitri Kakuris, and that really kind of vaulted me to really where I am now. J.J. Moscolo as well, kind of the Chemeketa Community College boys of old. So a, a really tough group of coaches and have since kind of just been kicking around the NWAC, became an assistant at Lower Columbia um, after Chemeketa, got a chance to coach Division One baseball a couple years at Washington State. And then when uh, that staff moved on, got back at Lower Columbia assistant, and then you find yourself in the head coach's shoes. So crazy, crazy ride. Um, definitely, though, what I grew up, people saying you're going to get into coaching. I always felt like a player coach as a young player. Love doing this job. Um, really, really fun. Don't feel like you work, but actually you do because of working the long days and just what, you know, what coaches do and, and put into it. But um, like I said, the biggest lesson is just definitely don't think you're the smartest guy in the room. Definitely pick up different things. I think a huge advantage I have now being back at Lower Columbia and being the head coach is I've been at NAI. I've been at Division Three. I've been at Division One. You see – that there's just a lot of differences in the type of experience, just, you know, where the right type of kids fit at. Um, also just the minutia of transfer rules, D1 versus D2, semesters, quarters, making sure guys are eligible, um, just the, you know, administrative side of coaching that no one tells you about when they get in. You know, you want to coach hitters, you want to coach catchers, you want to coach pitchers, you know, all that. But 
the uh, the business side and the administrative side, I would say uh, the other biggest thing I've grown and learned, you know, from being an assistant coach to a head coach. Um, definitely feel like I'm a much better assistant coach than I am a head coach still at this point. Um, but definitely, like I said, blessed, love, love doing what I do. And obviously lower Columbia, just a, just a great place to be. Coach, do you feel like through that process, was it more asking the right questions, more, you know, observing with your own eyes or just, you know, taking it all in? I mean, we talk about, you know, the growth of success, you know, and, and what the experience you've gone through to get where you are today. But we don't really talk about much about the fact that how does that process work? You know, we we want to be at the elite level, all of us do. But sometimes we just don't know what are the right steps. You know, I think in in business side of it, it's more just observation and getting your hands dirty and just asking the right questions. So in your experience, where did you see that helped your growth? I would definitely agree with you to a to a high degree of if you want to know something, don't be so stubborn to think that you can't, you know, explore with someone else, ask the right question. The other side, though, and this is, you know, Pat Casey, who I, I love this man to death and owe this guy a lot. That's a real tough coach right there. Um, that's a guy who will tell you the truth. It can be a hard truth. It can be something you don't want to hear at the time. I really think one of the best things I learned was from Drew George, Braden Wells, and Ryan Gibson. Um, when when I was an undergrad guy, I started to get more responsibility, think that I was more important than I was, bigger than I was, was, dude, when they're coaching you up, they're not criticizing you. They see something in you. They want you to be a good coach. They want you to do that. You cannot be sensitive. And I think learning that lesson was one of the biggest things that you talk about just, holy cow, I just need to close my mouth, listen a little bit. Not always going to agree in the moment. That's human nature, of course. But um, besides working hard, which I mean, we'll get into even just LC and what we want to do, like, Hard work does earn things, and we definitely believe that. Getting your hands dirty, as you said, important, but being coachable, and sometimes you have to get a little uncomfortable, try something new, which is, I think is hard for kids, too, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of kids we coach and, and kids we're around. That's that's so awesome to hear because I know I like I wasn't ever going to coach until I realized I couldn't hit a fastball anymore when it got a little too <laughs> fast, right? Like I think we all got to that point of – well, I'm riding the pine quite a bit here, and and I know for me it was at Big Ben when I started they didn't get the playing time right, and I, I, so I decided at that point in time I'm gonna go sit next to the coaches, and I don't know if they thought I was trying to be that kid that's like, hey, put me in the game, right? But I was trying to listen to them the whole time. Okay, well, well, maybe this is my path in baseball is to start coaching, and just what, some of those things that you might have, you know, taken away from the game in this thing. I know there's lots of things that we're all head coaches here right now, and and. Like I could, I'd have to points where I'm like, man, I wish I could kind of go back and be an assistant and to be better now. I mean, what are some of those things that you might have, you know, looking back now that. You know, Such you know, a great question. And I was actually talking to Brian Valentine, uh, lead assistant, our, our new recruiting coordinator, just really great young coach, really does things the right way. But we have some, a lot of these chops where we're talking about that. And we were talking about hitting at the time. And I was just like, man, if only I would have like, really paid attention to what the pitchers were doing during BP and just what this rotation was like or what the bigger picture of when I cared about, are we on time? Are we, you know, are we getting to the points we want to be in the swing? 
you know, what are we working on in our approach? Now it's like, oh, what I thought I knew, goodness sakes. I was just on the on the tip of the iceberg, you know. So that's just one specific example. And I, I think it kind of, you know, can trickle down to some other things. Um, the other side is, and especially I, I tell guys this, if, if they're going to seriously consider the small college or, or the junior colleges, I didn't really pay attention at Oregon State what our strength program was doing. You know, I didn't necessarily look at the support staff as, you know, outside of my job supporting the the baseball team probably as closely as I, I should have as well. Because when you kind of understand the, those roles and, and what those people go through, and then I ended up getting a, a master's degree in exercise science, and it's just definitely become a huge part of my life in terms of love movement, teaching in, in that way. But if you want to be really valuable and you can do the weights there's extra money for you to be have. There's opportunities on staffs. There's a lot of uh, head coaches that, that don't do that or they kind of run a little more lax strength program, kind of just roll it out and say kind of do this. So um, also just looking like, hey, you're probably not going to make $50,000 just coaching when you get into this. So have a, have a skill set, be a little Swiss Army knife in some ways, and um, they didn't teach you that at Oregon State when you thought that you just get Confortos and Parker Berberettes and Jared Norris's and just all the all the pitchers that we have, Matt Boyd, go down the list, Greg Peavy, so many, so many good. You're like, oh, well, then you get to Chapman University, Chemeketa, Lower Columbia, you're like, oh, these guys move a little bit different. You know, there's, there's some different things to learn also that way of get out and work with kids. Um, you know, that's, and I love, I love facility coaching. I love individual instruction. I love that aspect, especially in the Northwest, how that's evolved gives kids so many opportunities, but the balance of it, it's good to get out in base run. It's good to get in a team setting as well. And I hope kids in the Northwest don't lose that either. Coach, uh, let's talk about a little bit about some LC tradition, man. When I think of Red Devils, baseball I think of winning you know um you guys are phenomenal what you guys do there talk about what are some of the things that uh have been kind of your secret sauce of your success over throughout the years and uh really what does it mean to represent um the name on on the front of the jersey no no doubt um would not say that it's it's like a pressure packed job I would say it's more exciting (laughs) to be at lower Columbia I, I really would um, because it, it's an honor to, to hear from Coach Carnahan, to, to hear from Coach Kelly Smith, Eddie Smith, still a really close friend, Eric Lane, uh, Rob Hippie, what he did. I mean, when you just – you think of LC, of course you think of winning championships, but you just think of, wow, these are some of the best coaches in the Northwest. You know, Coach Farrington, you know, I don't want to leave anyone out, Jack Riley, even before Oregon State. It's, it's that type of honor for me. It's like, wow, hey, like we – do have an expectation of we need to really, really take care of the details. And I think that's really when you, and it's, it's coach speak in a way, but it does really translate to young kids of just guys. We can't worry about that. Like lower Columbia has, has such a rich tradition. We're blessed by that. And yeah, it's just our job to make sure we're a part of it. Um, If you think that's pressure, then don't come to our place. No, I mean, I think that's, that's exciting. You know, you, you want to work hard. You want to do, you know, those types of things. Secret sauce, you know, 
part of it is an administration that wants you to be successful and put some into it. I mean, and I'll say the unpopular opinion and call a spade a spade and say there's a lot of places that don't invest and it's, you know, unfortunate and it's, it's tough for coaches. Um, it, it really is. There's a lot of really great coaches. I won't, you know, name drop of, Hey, this guy's at this place, this guy's at that place. But there's some guys that I heavily respect that are doing a great job that if they were at lower Columbia, they'd win 35 to 40 games, but you know, they're dealing with other situations and we don't now also, I'm not going to apologize for that. Like, I appreciate that. Like, you know, that's why I am blessed to, to work at lower Columbia. Um, you know, Kirk Rowland, Chris Bailey, it's Nolan Wheeler, our VP who's kind of really my boss boss, um, you know, besides president Chris Bailey. So blessed in that way, but really what it comes down to is you have to play hard at lower Columbia because still in this area, I mean, Kelly Smith, those hard nosed teams of the early two thousands and the mid two thousands, those are still legendary in this community. Uh, definitely exciting to, you know, try and be talked about with the Oh five team or the 2010 team, Eric Lane MVP, little shout out to Eric Lane there. Uh, but I think that's where you got to get kids bought into just because you're at lower Columbia, nothing's going to be handed to you. And and that's you insert any college program into that. You are going to have to get after it. If you think you're going to be a winning player. And that's, I think important, no matter if you're at Oregon, Oregon state, LSU, Tennessee, you do need to find that edge. If you want to, like you said, be known as a program that plays at the end of the year, plays in those big games gets in front of those big time coaches. Um, but like I said, I think that's great. I love it. And if you think that that's pressure, then you're probably not in the right industry because sports are tough. They keep score, you know, and that's why I love them. Yeah. How much, how much of that is, is kind of pressed upon guys before they get to you? I mean, I, we're jumping ahead a little bit talking recruiting later on, but um is that a message that you send once guys are there first day of fall ball or are you really vetting, you know, the players on the front end to make sure they're ready to work when they get to you? Yeah, the, the best you can. And, and of course I'll never beat around a bush of you want to have the best players possible. It does make winning games easier, especially if you have pitching um, of course, but um, we definitely recruit in a way. And I don't know how other people recruit. I'll never tell anyone how they should do it or what's right or wrong. But I know who I am. I know I can be a lot. I can be a big personality at times. I can annoy kids, get on their nerves, but that's Pat Casey and me. Uh, like that's why you're around that guy where like do the best you can do it right. And that just is the way. And if it's not, I'm going to bark at you a little bit. If we scare a guy off in recruiting with who we are, or that you're going to get coached then you definitely shouldn't come here, you know, because, and by the way, I think it's going to happen to a lot of places too, whether those coaches tell you that or, or not. So I do think kids should definitely go watch games, go watch the level you want to see, go see how good the players are there. There's high, high school kids don't know how good division two baseball is. They don't know how good NAI baseball is. They don't know how good junior college baseball really is. But, you know, I won't beat around a bush. Yeah, I love guys that throw hard and have a breaking ball or a second pitch. Catchers and shortstops and middle guys are, are highly valued, but we definitely 
care about the personality, care about the school side of things, even though we're at a junior college, there's a trickle-down effect to taking care of details all over, not just on the field. Um, but, of, of course, you, you miss on some personalities, and you can't get perfect robots. These are 17-, 18-year-old kids that you're getting, and they're all shapes and sizes and, and coming from different backgrounds. But, yeah, I want to make sure that we get guys that just – we're up front with and know what they're getting into. Um, and, and we also, you know, we can talk a little more on this later, but just even from the strength side of things with the plan that we run, um, you know, pretty rigorous on the, the strength and conditioning side. If you're lazy, you're not going to have a fun time with me. So uh, I think it is important to make sure kids know just who they're playing for and you're not going to love them every time, but you should respect your coaches when you go in. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we've delved deep enough into this recruiting side. I might as well stay on it. But, um, you know, I, I guess what are some of the things you kind of look on on the front end? I, I, I love I love the comment you made about, you know, guys going out and watching, you know, the level of play. I, I think people don't understand, and there's a lot of misconceptions and coaches out there that all they know is their experience, right, at, at junior college or at Division two or whatever it is. And that's all they have to speak of. And and I think things change throughout the years and, and the old school JUCO that maybe I was a part of and the others were a part of is, is different now. Um, it's not just the bad grade guy that needs to figure his life out. Like there's a lot of good players that have, you know, academic dreams that, that still go on there. Um, you know, but, but how are you vetting these things on the front end when you're, whether watching an event or, or having a sit down with a kid, you know, what, what are the specific things that you're looking for talking to a, a, you know, a high school coach, you know, what, what questions are you asking to really know if, if a player fits to what you're looking for or can handle that grind and stuff that you're working on? No, absolutely. It's a, it's a great question. And I think, and I think Brian Valentine would agree with me if, if he was also on here as, I like to have a, a wide range of, of seeing kids and their skill set and their personality. I try and remind myself, and, and we can do this sort of like we're not D1 guys that, you know, have to make a decision on five swings after taking a five-hour flight to catch a game in Kansas in, in wind and snow. We, we get to have a little more of a process with these kids, which I do enjoy about the small college experience and, and the recruiting experience, but – Watch a kid in an event. Watch a kid actually play a game, though. Um, still call it old school, call it whatnot. Um, yeah, I want to see you fail. I want to see how you talk to your parents when you leave the yard after a tough day. I want to see if it's just about you. Is it about you or is it about winning? Is it about, you know, all those types of things that, of course, you can't always see or know just every guy you see. Of course not. But um, I think that's that's definitely huge. And then I like just circle up how, and just like you do coach and, and all you coaches, just the, the network you get to have in the Northwest. It's a special place to coach and, and a lot of great, uh, great men doing it. There's information being shared out there. So, and I tell this to kids all the time, whether I speak at events or whatnot, you really do not know. And you have no idea who's going to flip me a call who you wouldn't even have a clue who they are. Ex-beavers, ex-players, you know, friends of friends that 
no, you, you do this and they, they want to flip you a name. So do it the right way. And I think that's the, the last thing that when you talk about, you know, watching kids and are you turned on, are you turned off? Guys that don't have an interest in playing hard and have kind of lost that little bit of get after the other team, which can be tough in showcase baseball, can be tough in sort of the the nature of, of how things are um, done in terms of exposure and, and facilities and whatnot. And, and like I said earlier, I'm not by any means knocking or, or trying to downgrade anything those those guys are doing for kids. But when a guy gets to college, you don't beat around the bush. It's about beating the other team. It's about trying to be the best you can possibly be each day. It's not always going to be a perfect version, but you definitely want to be the best you can be. And college is about getting after the other team. And you can coach that into kids. You can remind them of that. Of course, it's it's always, you know, every kid's got a degree of that. It's not like dude, you're just lost and can never learn to, to be more competitive. But it really fires me up when I see a kid that like, yeah, that dude likes playing. That kid loves baseball. He's not doing it because his parents made him. He's not doing it because he he's good at it, so he's expected to do it, or he's had this vision of you know how his process should go or his life. You're like, man, that dude's got a skill set. He's an athlete. He, he likes to play. Because college baseball, there's days where if you don't like playing, the game can drag you down a little bit. It's just a long season. You got to go hard. You got to train a certain way. So really, really enjoying the game. I love to see that, and that stands out to me. Uh, you know, getting foul balls stands out to me. Picking up your teammate after a punch out stands out to me. So, but I'll never. And Jim Horner, Dan Spencer, we talked about this all the time at WSU. Also, man, firm fastballs, good sliders. You, you do want to try and find skill sets and abilities, but there can be a will over skill. And when you talk about small college baseball and player development, where really that is what the environment is, the ability to get better. I've seen so many kids that people passed on or, or didn't think had it that worked at a small college and turned into really nice players. So that's kind of the other art side of the recruiting evaluation is certain coaches like body types, certain coaches like, moves certain coaches like the the look of a player kind of the lottery sometimes but that's definitely a, a part that if you are gonna you know try and put together a successful class you're gonna want to find some of those pieces that you value higher than other people for whatever reason that is um, could be grit could be defense for me it's defense in a lot of ways um, pitching and defense will still win you a ton of ball games no doubt. No doubt. And I think the heavy hitter on this is it's not something we really talk about, but like to what end do you overlook some of the, the character flaws if the guy has like those talents? I mean, especially being at a junior college where there's maybe a little bit lower risk, right? It's two years. You can obviously just say no if it doesn't work out. But, you know, is there a point where you overlook some flaws and, and think that, okay, based on our system, our discipline, some of the things that we can do, we feel like we can clean some of this guy's character stuff and overcome some of that because of how talented he is. Is, is Does some of that come into play for you there? 
No, it does. And we've all been guilty of being on the right side and the wrong side of that. And I'll never, you know, I will definitely admit that taking a chance on a guy that just wasn't the right move. And then also guys that you help change their lives and are some of the most powerful guys you ever coach. Um, you know, so part of that for me too, is some discernment of the, of the kid's situation, trying to put myself in the kid's shoes. Um, I'm so happy there wasn't social media and cameras everywhere and just the ability to see every mistake I ever made in my life. Like so many of them, you know, which turn us into the people we are, but it's, Hey kids, it's a different ball game now too. So also you just have to adapt and and understand the time you're in. Um, But for me, it's a discernment of will this really derail the most important thing and really what lower Columbia has, which is that culture of getting kids to buy into punching that ticket every day. And they will get an opportunity at that piece of that pie. When you start bringing in kids that get the special set of rules and start not doing it or having to do it like the other guys, you know, of course it, it can be a problem. Um, Typically, you, you do see it stereotypically, you know, the, the higher velocity fastball type arms, you know, a position that can really make a high, high end impact uh, while also maybe not having as much collateral damage as, as if you had a catcher that couldn't talk to his teammates per se. Um, but I also am not afraid to remove a guy from a team and, and won't apologize for looking out for the welfare of our other kids because like I said earlier, I can be a lot. I can have high expectations, but I will definitely treat you fair. And that gets me rubbed the wrong way when kids don't understand, you know, how disrespectful that kind of is to your teammates too. Um, so I'm probably on the end of addition by subtraction has worked for me more than really trying to take a flyer on what looks to be a bad human being. Uh, I just think when you preach hard work and you, you want to be able to trust guys, why does it always happen that it's that guy up three, two bases loaded, or he's on the mound with the chance to either walk the guy or punch the guy out. It's crazy how this game knows and just can, can hunt guys out in that way. And, you know, I think about that. That's not, it's not fair to the club. So it, it's tough and and we're all imperfect, especially as, as head coaches when we do that. But yeah, you look at it, but I think it's the discernment of just, is this the right move for whatever team you have? And every personality of team is going to evolve on a year-to-year basis. Coach, how do you go about, you know, with that, with your staff, you know, you each going to have a different vision of a kid, you know, maybe certain things that certain guys are going to like, you know, um, you know, and we don't talk about it much, but you know, the fact that maybe even that high school coach, this is in this first year coming up here at the end of February, he's going to be starting the spring season. He's still trying to look for those guys to be, you know, on his staff and have that same vision. And they even correlating that within the volunteer coaches that, you know, you guys were able to bring into the college level. So how do you make that clear? Great question. And and for me and what I, I've been around and, and Eddie Smith for sure is, is the master of this, have meetings, have clear expectations, really, you know, have some fundamental things that need to happen. But like I said, just really in my journey, I think the blessing of, of what I was able to do was also kind of go out and coach and flourish and fail and learn th- some things. 
as an assistant coach. And that's really what I've wanted to do with coaches that I've had, you know, in my, you know, brief tenure as a, as a head coach. Um, so I think that's important to let guys be who they are, but also understand, you know, there's a certain way that we talk to players. There's a certain, you know, separation uh, be- between the player, the coach, um, not the old school, do what I tell you to do because I tell you to do it per se, but just, you can't be one of the guys either. You know, I mean, you got to have a, some separation of a leadership role. Uh, in terms of sharing vision, I think it, it needs to be a person that, and this can be tough because we all have ulterior motives and we all want to grow in this game. Finding the right mix of getting those coaches what they need as a part of your staff, the experience of your staff, the you know, growth that they need or want to have as a coach. But also, hey, the beauty of coaches is, hey, they need to just facilitate and just grow the team, continue to push the vision of the team. Um, But for me, having been an assistant coach in in so many roles, I I always appreciated the ability to have an opinion, um, the ability to be, to feel like I could say something in a meeting whether that went down, whether it was said, oh, wow, yeah, okay, actually, that really was kind of a stupid idea. Didn't think of it that way. This is a much better way to do it. Um, I think that's what's huge on a, on a staff and um, has worked well just with guys I've worked with and for because um, then there's that investment on their side. You know, you don't want selfish assistant coaches that aren't invested in players or invested and what the organization is trying to do. But I'm not also saying, and you talk about, you know, volunteer guys, absolutely guys need to be taking care of their families. Absolutely there needs to be the ability to move through the industry, you know, based on what type of experience you want and those opportunities. So, um, you know, happy that that went through, really hoping they just add a fifth coach too because we have like 12 football coaches. So I, I can say that now that I'm a junior college coach in Washington with, with no repercussions. It just seems like it could, could be done. And, and I hope for a lot of, uh, you know, good young coaches or old coaches, just good coaches in general, you know, creates opportunities that'll, that'll trickle down to all levels for sure. Well, that ends part one with head coach of lower Columbia community college, Kurt Lipinski, Hope you guys are enjoying that just as much as we enjoyed recording this one. And if you love part one, when we share this thing on Twitter, when we share it on Facebook, please retweet, share, comment, tell us your favorite quote of this thing. Uh, Let's just keep growing this podcast in the Pacific Northwest. One retweet at a time. And we can't thank you enough for the people that do and the people that interact with us. We're fired up for it. And we just keep this thing going as we start to all head in as colleges are starting to kick off. High school guys are kicking off here in a month or so. We're fired up for the spring snows melting. The rain's probably coming over there on the West side, but uh, let's uh, keep this thing rolling. So like I asked, please get on there, retweet, share. If you get on and rate our podcast, we would truly appreciate you taking the time for that. Thank you again to Kurt. We Lipinski head coach, at lower Columbia community college. Part two will be out next week. We can't wait for it. Hopefully, we're going to be seeing you guys here in Moses Lake next week uh, at the 6 for the Washington State Coaches Association Clinic. I know that the the numbers climb every single day, and we are so excited to have all the high school coaches that are coming to this thing. And can't wait for that after hours on Friday night just to sit down and talk shop with everybody. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks to Safeguard out of the Tri-Cities. 
There will be door prizes given away, like I said in the beginning, at this thing with fungal banner stuff made by them. Get to our website, PacificNorthwestFungalBanner.com, and there's a shop on there, message boards. If you have more questions about this thing, if you we can start our own subject line about this episode, and we can just keep talking and keep this thing growing and keep this conversation going for a very, very long time, even well after the podcast when we take our break come springtime. So we can't wait to see everybody next week in Moses Lake. Thank you for listening. Like we asked, please just share this, retweet. That's all we ask. Let's just keep spreading this thing and make it grow bigger and bigger because there's a lot of great things happening in the Pacific Northwest, and I think we just need to keep highlighting it. Thanks again to Coach. We'll be back next week with part two.